the word forgiveness literally says like giving forward. Mm -hmm. So in the act of forgiveness, we're giving ourselves forward to the opportunity of growing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if that other person is the one that's super in the wrong and, you know, doesn't even deserve our forgiveness it's not we're not doing it to give them peace we're doing it to give ourselves peace to give ourselves an opportunity of growing like this happened to me because of karmas or whatever you want to believe and i'm not going to just suppress it i'm going to use it as an opportunity mm -hmm. to alleviate so i don't have to repeat these stories these karmas and keep having the same situation and different people show mm -hmm. up in my life And welcome to Curious Ones podcast by Andara. I'm Yael Ginsberg, the host of the podcast, a yoga and meditation teacher and philosophy lover. Each week you will hear eye-opening interviews with the different teachers of the Andara Yoga Institute located in beautiful Baja, Mexico, along with other teachers that pass through here. This life-changing knowledge shared through authentic, heartfelt communication will help you live a happier, more fulfilled, and connected life. Let's dive in. I'm so happy to introduce you to our guest today, Arzu K1Far, founder of Inspirezu. Arzu is an international yoga and meditation teacher, humanitarian and all-around inspiration to live our life for the fullest with joy and love. Arzu started meditating at the age of five, started practicing kundalini yoga at the age of seven, and became the youngest certified kundalini teacher at the age of 14. She is also a brain longevity specialist, offering yoga classes and retreats, spiritual coaching, and mentorship programs around the globe. Hello, Arzu, and thank you so much for doing this. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I am so curious about your story. You kind of started telling me a little bit throughout the last days here at Yandara, being one of the lead teachers of Bhakti Fest. I loved going to your workshops and classes mm. and just getting to know you a bit. And I would love to share that with everybody who's watching. Let's start with the beginning, how did you start meditating at five? <laughs> <laughs> I can't take the credit. I was really blessed that my parents, um, they're Persian and Jewish, so we have a lot of culture and, and a lot of pressure, but they knew that growing up in Los Angeles, there's also a lot of superficiality, so they wanted me to have core something that grounded me in my truth, and mm -hmm. they're very liberal, very open-minded, and so... Um, we began going to somewhere called City Yoga Meditation Center um, where there's a living guru and it was a really profound experience and my soul just like latched onto it. Mm. And we went in the summertime to the ashram in New York and I would perform the Bhagavad Gita and, mm. you know, so many of my Jewish friends like go to Jew camp, but I was like going to like yoga meditation camps <laughs> all my life. And, um, wow. and that really laid the foundation of my path and I, I am so grateful to my parents but at the same time on the spiritual journey if we believe in reincarnation and how we really choose our parents because this mm -hmm. is like and so when I really go back on it um, and I've been so grateful when I lived in the ashram I, I saw like a past life of mine with the with the prior guru wow. and I was like 
really like, wow, how powerful that we, you know, choose these parents that are going to lead us to the guru to come back. To, like, like Krishna Das was talking a lot on the retreat about like, once you have found your guru, like it's for lifetimes, it's infinite. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so beautiful when we surrender and get out of our own way and remember that there is a divine plan. There is something that's taking our path for us and not to like get in the own way of it. And mm -hmm. so it's just been like this beautiful journey. And um, then they led me to Kundalini Yoga, which is much more of like a spiritual scientific, it's called the Yoga of Awareness, mm -hmm. when I was seven. And wow. so um, I studied under Guru Singh in Los Angeles, went twice a week throughout all of my schooling. They would like, they're like, okay, if you have a lot of homework after his hour long lecture, which was so educational, they're like, you can go and do your homework. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. So, and, and like, even when we don't think we understood, like our body retains it. That's the power of like mantras as well. Even when mm -hmm. you don't know what it's saying, like the power of the sound is permeating in your being. So I really feel so grateful that I was, I grew up around so many saints and gurus and teachers that filled me with the knowledge that I already know. And that's like what's so essential to my yoga teaching. It's I'm not really here to teach anyone anything. It's really um, uncovering and unconditioning and unlearning the societal pressures and things that we've been taught that have been keeping us in doubt and fear. Um, mm -hmm. And so through my meditation practice, it's just always about like going back into that all-knowing self and, and trusting mm -hmm. in that. Do you feel that because you were exposed to, exposed to this world at such a young age, you were able to develop less of these blockages or layers of fear that we take on during our childhood? Yes and no, because at the end of the day, like every human being goes through trauma, goes through challenges, and that's like how we literally grow is mm -hmm. we get knocked down, we have to figure out how to pick ourselves up and be better. Um, however, it's been tremendously, like I call it, like we have these like spiritual toolboxes and I've had these tools that I can go to. And, um, my teacher, when I was a teenager, like there's a Kundalini mantra called Hummy Hum Brahm Hum. Mm -hmm. And it means what I am to be, I already am. Mm -hmm. like, and that is that it's like really empowering like I am yeah. who I am and that is that and that was like a mantra that I played so much and it's like when you get bullied like I was always the odd one like the spiritual girl when yoga wasn't mm -hmm. cool you know and yeah. so it really helped me stay in my truth and um you know I, I stopped drinking at the age of like 20 before it was like even legal and it was <laughs> like I just it took I think it's thanks to my yoga practice that I like stopped caring so much what people thought because it was really just the peer pressure that was keeping me like feeling like I had to for example mm -hmm. so those are like moments where I was really applying those teachings where it's like I I genuinely understand that this body is a temple it's not just like an expression that we say and mm -hmm. and what we put into this body really makes a difference and so I was like why am I putting something that's that's toxic yeah. um and so you know, a lot of people stopped being my friend because they were like uncomfortable, like going out clubbing and I was, but I danced the most more than anyone. So it's really, you know, being so in your body, in that experience of joy. And, mm -hmm. and if, if people I've learned, like if they don't want to be your friend anymore, it's really a blessing because it's, if you're bringing out uncomfort for another person because you're shining light and they are being met with their own like lack of truth, mm -hmm. then it's not someone that's meant to kind of be in your life. And, and that's been honestly one of my traumas, I guess you could say, is I've gone through a lot of ghosting and rejection and 
friends just like literally disappearing out of my life, um, boyfriends disappearing. So it's, and the more I've like worked with different healers and people to be like, why does this keep happening? It's like, there's an expression, rejection is God's protection. Mm. And that's really stayed with me. It's like cleansing away people that are just not having the truth of intentions. And we live in this world that sometimes is so competitive and it's rare to come across people that genuinely want to see the other person shine. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's, those are some ways that I've been able to lean on the mantras and the breath work and the yoga to get me through the pains and it's, Mm -hmm. it's pain, but it's also a blessing. It's a blessing in disguise. And so like seeing that and trusting that. Yeah. What are some situations that you've experienced that you thought it was, something that wasn't good that's happening and then you realize it was the best thing that could have happened mm-hmm. I guess a few you know um going to school in India was truly like one of the best things that happened to me and mm-hmm. I guess I wouldn't be an example that it, I didn't think it was good it was just there was like some part of me that was like oh my gosh I'm leaving home I'm leaving my whole family and had never been away from home for more than three days so it was like just a leap of faith mm-hmm. and my soul just saying I have to be there I knew I had to be there and it, it took me out of the LA bubble and you know I saw the slums I saw what life really is and um, took off all the masks and the Maya and Maya's of illusion and yeah it was a blessing you moved to India to a boarding school at yeah. the age of 15 yeah you, you <laughs> please <right>. explain <laughs> so you know part of that journey that I kind of just skipped over was Kundalini Yoga became something that I grasped onto almost more than my own parents who had introduced me to it um, which on a side note is why I love teaching kids because mm. kids are innocent they're pure and they haven't been conditioned. And when you teach them these mantras, like there's this part of their soul that like grasps onto it as a familiarity mm-hmm. and they, they, they use it. And, um, so, so that's what happened to me. And I've, I was loving it and we were going to camps every summer and I was bonding with these Sikh children that grew up with Kundalini Yoga because their parents knew Yogi Bhajan, who was the founder of Kundalini Yoga. And I just felt there wasn't a bubble. There was no superficiality. They were so real and they were really practicing these spiritual teachings, not just like preaching it. Mm -hmm. And so I just, yeah. And like everyone was just heart centered and just genuine love. You Mm -hmm. know, I grew up in LA where people are like, okay, you can love me. We're friends, but like not like only up to here. And then like, you're like, it's like this awkward, like I'm invading your space. Yeah. And I'm a very like up close, genuine, transparent type of person. That is really part of you. Yeah. (laughs) Say it like it is. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, I just was craving that. And so I just was like, I told my parents I'm ready. So I, at the age of 14, decided I want to do the teacher training course. Mm -hmm. And I walked up at the end of the class after they made the announcement. I just started signing my name. And my dad walked over. He's like, how are you paying $4,000 for this? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't think that part (laughs) out yet. (laughs) And he was just so inspired and amazed. He later told me because Mm. he had been wanting to do it for many years, but didn't have the courage and the discipline. It's, it was a nine month long training. So it's not your average 200 hours. It's very intense. And I just don't, didn't allow the doubt to creep in. I was like, I'm doing this. It's for my soul's purpose. And like, 
that's it. Wow. And so he was like, you know what? If you're doing it, I'm doing it. And it, that was one of the really a memorable experience for me. And my dad and I became best friends through that. And wow. so we did the training together. I be, and at the time, I didn't know, like, they've never certified someone so young. <laughs> so that was a fun fact that came out of it. And I I hadn't intended on teaching yoga. It was really because I, I gravitated to the spiritual truths and I wanted to know more. And so that led me to the next thing was like, okay, now I've learned all this. I want to apply it. And it's hard to apply in LA. I want to go to this boarding school that is every morning you wake, five, wake up 5 a.m. You're reading Japji. You're doing the meditations. You're doing the Kriyas. Like you're really living it. Wow. And uh, I'm an only child, Jewish, mm -hmm. Persian, all of the things. They were like, are you crazy? <laughs> what? And oh we visited the school. They saw that it was really great. And they, they said yes, only for one year. Uh, okay. That was the condition. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, I'll take what I can get. You know? <laughs> and I didn't know what I was really going to get into either. So one year mm -hmm. sounded like a fair deal. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, when the year ended, I was like on my knees begging. I was like, please let me stay longer. Wow. And um, unfortunately, <sighs> you know, parents love us so much that the love can sacrifice things and they just mm -hmm. wanted me to be they missed me mm -hmm. and so I had to come back and the reverse culture shock was really I don't think traumatic but it was just like I cried every day after school mm -hmm. I just I, I went to a school with a lot of the like celebrity LA like super snobby scene and so I had a hard time like adjusting from one opposite end of the spectrum to the other and mm -hmm. but yet again the yoga practice was keeping me grounded wow. amidst it all that's incredible because I actually I went to high school in New York uh -huh. so I know what you're talking about yeah. it was like the upper not upper east side but yeah. upper west side but yeah. you know similar a peppy scene. uniform and yep. all the things all of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and all the backstabbing and yeah. and that was another huge lesson was you know I was a, it was the most expensive school in LA and I was around so much wealth but then I was seeing how fake and backstabbing and yeah. just all this negative so my, I ended up like disavowing wealth I was like I never mm -hmm. want to be famous like I had so many famous friends and I was like mm -hmm. I never want to be famous I never want to have money like all of these things because I equated that with the way I was seeing them being. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until like therapy and years later, I was like, okay, okay, I, I'm, I can call in <laughs> my greatness and have wealth and use it for yeah. good and charity and still be humble. You know, for me, that's integrity and humility yeah. are, are super important. Mm -hmm. Well, it's amazing that you had this tool of the practice mm -hmm. while you were going through all of this. Yeah. I, I wish I had that when I was going through it because yeah. it was really hard for me to deal with because there was such a dissonance for me. You know, I was 15 when I went there and mm. it was so different than anything that I knew. And I just didn't understand, like, why aren't people saying the truth? Why are they lying? Like, for no reason. Yeah. I just didn't understand. And it was so hard for me to deal with it. So yeah. it's amazing that you had those tools. Yeah. And it's like the mantras were always humming in the background mm. for me. And, and it really got me through. And You know, I went through so many different friends because of it, which is hard, but it builds your character and it really mm -hmm. like makes you like, this is who I am. Love me or yeah. like hate me kind of thing. So you channeled all of that and you started doing humanitarian work at a very young age, right? Yes. You have an award at 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, thanks to India, that's what really planted the seed. Like once you've seen the suffering, you can't unsee it, mm -hmm. you know? And I grew up so privileged that I just was like, <gasps> like so mm -hmm. taken by it that I 
almost just like would never sit down. It was like to a downfall for that. I was like, I always need to be doing something to make sure that like I'm doing good because mm. I saw that. And so I was, you know, they say always like start in your own backyard. So I started working with like homeless shelters in LA when I came back from India. Mm -hmm. And then I started working with forgotten refugee camps in Sudan. Mm -hmm. And then I worked in building schools in Guatemala. And then I um, just kept finding ways like to serve, to give, to help. And to know that like the more we're giving, we're actually receiving and the reward that comes with like helping. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was another big, like my parents have gone through a hard time with me. I was like, I'm going to Sudan. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was like right during Darfur. <laughs> and oh we had to pay like $500 a day for a UN bodyguard. Wow. It was really crazy. And unfortunately, like, I don't want to get too political, but the UN has their own like Mm. agendas and I realized like my goal was then to like originally I was like I want to work for the UN or one of these huge NGOs that's going to help save the world and mm -hmm. I went there and I saw that they also were just doing all these back-ended money-making mm -hmm. things that were so incorrect um, and they wouldn't even let us go see the refugee camp because it was forgotten about so for 40 years they hadn't received the milk nothing like tools like they were birthing children with like rusty tools so it's like oh all of these images have been like ingrained in me and um so I had this dream I was like I they deserve to have education and um and I wanted to build an all-girls school because I went to an all-girls school and I just know like especially in communities like that like girls need their need that attention and and focus and mm -hmm. um so I went back to LA after that trip and I started fundraising and doing silent auctions at my house. And I was also like smart. I was like, how can I get friends my age to pay? So I threw this huge house party. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I had like a bodyguard and like someone that was taking money from everyone as they came. And all the proceeds went to the school. Wow. And I ended up raising over $130,000. In one night? No, no, no. Oh, my gosh. It was a whole year of, like, <laughs> oh, okay. still I threw two lot. parties and a lot of, like, fundraisers and all my That's yoga amazing. classes. I always, to this day, I donate a percentage. And mm. I know, like, in the Jewish culture, there's a name for that, Sadaka. Yeah. And then in, like, Christianity, I think it's called Tiffing or something. Tiffing or Tiffing. Mm -hmm. So, and in India, too, they say 10% of your salary always goes towards giving back. So, it's mm -hmm. it's also beautiful when so many cultures are seeing the same thing, yeah. you know. And so, with my yoga practice, I always was, like, doing this to also give back. And so, there's always that, that, that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that just being a yoga teacher is already a occupation of giving yeah that's what definitely. you do you you give your energy you give your time you give your guidance and maybe the lessons that you've learned along the way through a yoga class and I have to say that after taking one of your classes I was so moved by the words that you used mm -hmm. during the class it was it was so like it really touched me in my mm -hmm. heart Thank so you. I would love to speak a little bit about the ways that you give. So you teach yoga classes. Yeah. You are a Reiki practitioner. Yes. You do chakra healing. Yes. How did all of this come together? Um, so the yoga, you know, once I went to college, I immediately, when I arrived, I was like, I want to teach yoga. And they're like, you're 18. We've never hired staff. <laughs> so I became the youngest hired staff and I started. And then I was like, 
no, I want to teach the staff. I want to teach the sports teams. And they were, it was like so new at the time. No one was doing yoga. And so I realized like my, I was only trained in Kundalini yoga. And so then I was like, okay, let me learn some other stuff. So I started picking up vinyasa and hatha and restorative and kids yoga and prenatal yoga. And like, I was just, I, I'm now like have trained in so many styles. Like, like, as you know, on this retreat, I think I taught anything from a boot camp class to like a yin <laughs> class. So, um, you know, yoga became my thing. And, and then when I graduated from college, so I had an internship, I was working at Peace Corps, like from a working perspective, but then I was like, obviously like, let me teach them, let me help them with yoga. And Mm -hmm. then, um, so I was doing that on the side and it just kind of was like an aha moment in my senior year of college where I was like, why am I going to get an office job working for the UN or the Peace Corps these Uh, I minored in human services and philanthropy because that was my purpose. How can I give back Mm -hmm. when I realized, like you just said, even yoga alone is giving back and it's my passion. It's what I love and it's my gift. And so, you know, told my parents I'd made this decision. They were like, what? What do you mean? (laughs) And you would think parents that introduce you to that would would be so happy. But at the end of the day, it shows that we're all so programmed by Mm -hmm. our past generations, our ancestors, our society. And Persians as well as I'm sure Asians and Jews like it's just this pressure of like doctor or lawyer or Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. that is not a yoga teacher yeah I've heard somebody say either doctor uh, lawyer or failure yeah basically that (laughs) I think it's Jay Shetty (laughs) love Jay Shetty so that's what happened and I was so like shocked and almost like betrayed that they were not supportive of that and so Mm. it made me take that into my hand and say like I trust this is my path. I know mm-hmm. that I was given these blessings and experiences for a reason and I want to walk this path. Mm-hmm. And so without their support, really, I mean, I started like knocking on doors of studios and trying to like show them that it is possible wow. to make a successful living out of it. That's incredible. And what I I hear in the background of all of what you're saying is that you have this kind of knowing inside and this confidence that you can achieve what you want to achieve even though mm-hmm. it's way beyond yeah. what um the people around you think of yeah. you or think for you and what they think is actually a normal life or yeah. an adult yeah. and it's so inspiring to see that you're kind of carving your path from inside not from outside thank you for seeing that yes i in college, so many of my friends were like inspired, but also like scared. They're like, how do you do that? And I just yeah, kept that saying. that was my question. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my mantra and my mom is really someone that helps ingrain that in me was trust and faith. Mm-hmm. I would just repeat that all the time. Trust and faith, trust and faith. Mm-hmm. And that was what gave me the fuel to make these leaps and know that I am protected, I'm guided, I'm supported. And, you know, being the black sheep, like there's that expression as well. It's like staying original and like even when that means you're not liked by others Mm -hmm. and that's a really hard path to walk it Mm -hmm. hasn't been easy you're being judged and scrutinized and so many things Mm -hmm. um and that's where the yoga and meditation practice really comes into Mm -hmm. reality it's like okay can everyone be thinking like even like I moved out of my house, I moved into them. Like I did so many things that are not culturally in the, in the community I grew up, like accepted almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
I'm no longer going to be living the life for others. I'm living my life. And, mm. and this life isn't, and from, not from a selfish perspective, it's like actually the opposite. It's from a selfless perspective of like, I wake up every day and I pray and I say like, use me as a vessel to serve, like however best that may look, like guide my steps in as a, as a light bearer and as a messenger of God. Mm. And, 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 and that really has guided me and that's the grace of God and the goodness. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you mean, because in the end, all these people's opinions, you're the one that's living your yeah. life. You're exper experiencing it from the moment you open your eyes yeah. to the moment that you close them. Yeah. You know, it's it's only you that's going to be actually living through these choices. So if you make these choices, depending on what somebody else thinks, you know, you're going to be living the life, else's life. somebody else's life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. incredible and you moved to tulum yes two years ago yes could you tell and us actually, about that and actually tangent before with what you just said was um i i did have a rock bottom um where i had dated this con artist oh, wow. who i actually met fun fact at bhakti festival <laughs> i love bhakti <laughs> festival it's not it's not a hit but it's just like there's a lot of spiritual bypassing and the more mm -hmm. the spirituality is growing and growing we also have to be cautious of like people are just using these fancy words and mm -hmm. acting it but are they really practicing it mm -hmm. um especially in la like so many of my friends we've all at least dated one person that's <laughs> Yeah. unfortunately not walking it but yeah. um I say that because I give so much of myself and so I almost like sacrifice I stopped like working as much I was helping him and this and that and mm -hmm. and, I, and I and I got almost sick my body started having this rash and long story short I had the rock bottom I lost a lot of friends like and when was this this was about five six years ago mm -hmm. and actually if we get really deep into it so this rash I was having my I was going to go to the dermatologist and my mom is like, I'm going to give you a session with this world famous healer over the phone. Just like try to heal it before you go to the dermatologist. because I try not to do like antibiotics and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I call the healer and before I even say anything, he goes, why haven't you left this lying, cheating, stealing man in your life? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like Hello? not. I was like, uh, uh. Oh my God. and it was just and he was like I have no I don't even there's no healing that is needed for you like mm -hmm. you literally walk away from that and your your body's trying to repel him mm -hmm. like and that is like so powerful like our body and our soul is like trying so often to help mm -hmm. us and yeah. we just don't see it when we're yeah. so lost in that like mm -hmm. obsession or something you know that happened to me too wow I was dating somebody and my body was reacting right yeah unbelievable it was rejecting him yeah yeah literally that was all mm -hmm. so i was literally within one week it was gone after i broke yeah. up with him it was gone wow i was just like wow thank you body like yeah. thank you for loving me thank you for protecting protection. me you know yeah. and we we have to slow down to mm -hmm. notice those things and so much of my life i've been going 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 because i became a yoga teacher at 15 so ever since then i've been going you know mm -hmm. so it was that was a wake-up call in that and so now it's like yeah he did some really awful things but I flipped that into gratitude because it's like through that rock bottom, I, I learned to take care of myself. I learned mm -hmm. to like make sure that I slow down in life to listen within as mm -hmm. much as I thought I was, it wasn't enough, you know, and really discern the people I give my energy to. And 
now that I'm more into Reiki, it's like even more like apparent that I'll notice I can take on people's traumas or their energy that's not for the highest, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I went to this ashram and long story short, I ended up dating someone there and my parents were like, ashram oh. in India. Yeah. Right. So I went back to when India. Was I, was, this? I was like, where do you go when you're in a rock bottom, you know? <laughs> okay. India. That's India, my soul's home. I love it. <laughs> and, um, there's an ashram there, which actually like the, the book eat, pray, love the movie mm-hmm. was all written about that ashram, mm-hmm. but we're not really we're not supposed to say the name of it and everything. She didn't never says it in the book because right. they just don't want people to go yeah. there for the wrong reason. But that's the one that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I went there and um, had so many epiphanies and experiences and growth and ended up dating someone there. And and it was this... You had your own eat, pray, love experience. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and um, I felt this tug of war where I was like, if I'm with him, I sacrifice so much of the material world, but yet I'm serving my purpose and I'm following my heart and all of this. And then if I go back home, I'm like, I'll have the fancy house car, everything that my parents like kind of society expects. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was almost like rebelling against my parents and we, and to be with him. And so it was like, I had to be so willing to be so different. Like, Oh, here I am like with someone that is completely, different upbringing, different lifestyle and everything. And there wasn't, and, and people just couldn't wrap their head around it. They were like, what's happened to you? Like, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I'm learning to follow my heart. And so from now on, I always say, let love lead. That's mm-hmm. my expression. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that because a lot of times we learn our lessons through pain and yeah. suffering. And I am also in this place now that I want to re- reverse it. Mm-hmm. And, learn my lessons through love that's Mm. actually from gabrielle bernstein yeah and she's a fellow community she is she is and she i consider her my personal teacher even Mm. though i never met her but Mm. her book uh the universe has your back has been like my second hand Mm. in this trip that i'm on right now and finding my way arriving to here and making a podcast and I keep going back to that book and one of the lessons there is learning through love Mm. and I incorporate that in prayers that I make now and then. That's beautiful. Right. It's just letting love lead, letting our heart lead. Mm. I also, I say like, um, talk less, listen more, think less, love more. And like Mm -hmm. the two TLTL. Um, and it's like really just getting out of our head and letting, we have like three brains, our head brain, our heart brain and our gut brain. Mm -hmm. And so, our heart really knows and we often listen to the voice of our fear or our ego loudest because it's like there all of a sudden mm-hmm. but it's in that pause which they talk a lot about in Kabbalah it's always pause my teacher David would say pause what a pleasure mm-hmm. no matter what comes like when you're triggered you immediately say pause let me find what is the pleasure in this moment why am I being triggered uh, so that's a whole nother teaching but pausing is essential to life you know and it's let me pause rather than being in my mind let me drop into my heart and feel it um krishna das also gave the example of a handshake like we put our hand out we meet that fear we we give it a name we connect to it i'm also trained in ifs therapy which is internet uh internal family system 
And that's what it's all about. It's like each of these fears are trying to protect you. So once you can actually go inside and be like, okay, thank you for trying to protect me. Like I acknowledge you. I see that. And I'm, I'm actually okay. Like you can go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and therefore they're like, they're no longer, fight. you're not resisting it. And um, it's a very freeing experience when you do those things. It's the um, survival side of our yeah. humanity trying to protect us from yeah, like fight or flight. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You have this immediate reaction. Okay, this is a threat. Yeah, I need to run away. Yeah, but that's beautiful that if you just take a moment to pause yeah. and breathe, and then make your decisions and responses from a place of being centered and not mm. from or being a, in a place of love and yeah. not of fear. Yeah, then I, in my experience, everything changes. The exactly. outcome, the experience. Exactly. Yeah. Even I love like breaking words apart and like the word forgiveness literally says like giving forward. Mm-hmm. So in the act of forgiveness, we're giving ourselves forward to the opportunity of growing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even if that other person is the one that's super in the wrong and, you know, doesn't even deserve our forgiveness it's not we're not doing it to give them peace we're doing it to give ourselves peace to give ourselves an opportunity of growing like this happened to me because of karmas or whatever you want to believe and i'm not going to just suppress it i'm going to use it as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to alleviate so i don't have to repeat these stories these karmas and keep having the same situation and different people show Mm -hmm. up in my life yeah it's these grudges and resentments Mm -hmm that create a lack of ease in the body, mm-hmm. a dis-ease, yeah. you know, and the word dis-ease is literally when there's no ease. And, and unfortunately I've lost too many people to cancer in my, like mm-hmm. my grandmother and, and, and close ones and even people that have had it who have thankfully healed to themselves. But when you go to the root of it, it's stress. It's, it's like, it's a grudge. It's a resentment that you are, it's a over worrying. A lot of times yeah. I've noticed that it ties to those, those, those things and emotions are are really just energy and motion but we don't when we don't let it go in the motion we hold on to it like you said and it's like no but they're they're not worthy of me like letting it go it's like well you're poisoning yourself mm-hmm. you're not poisoning the other right. um, it's like when someone yells i'm like okay you can keep yelling at me like it's really just like you're poisoning your own yeah. self so um and that's why we have to be so cautious of what we eat how we speak like what are we internalizing because the diseases right now are 90% stress-based and that's something that we have in our own control to take care of. Yeah. It's going back to what we were talking about just a minute ago about having the body react to what's happening. I think for me, my, my whole body reacts when something isn't right for me or when I'm not aligned and it's the same with holding on to experiences or grudges or anger mm-hmm. or traumas, different traumas that we experience, it's all manifesting in our body, whether we're aware of it or not. You also have this work that you did with meditation and brain health, yes. right? So how does that correspond? So that really fell on my lap because I, you know, I graduated with this degree in humanitarian work, but then I decided to do yoga. So the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is a foundation that is helping with Alzheimer's, but really knowledgeable about specific yoga and meditation that can reverse memory loss. So when I was like, oh my God, my two worlds are coming together. Mm-hmm. It was like, my name was written all over it. Mm-hmm. And I was so, and unfortunately my grandfather had Alzheimer's. So it was also like, Fam, like from a more personal relation, I was like, I need to 
to help others. And mm-hmm. every 67 seconds, someone's getting uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Wow. And every and two thirds of that are women. So wow. 70% of those that are diagnosed are women. So Why it's do you think that statistics is- that are not shared often. And it's so, you know, unfortunate that there, you know, there's not a quick cure. Everyone's like, oh, what's the pill to like avoid it? But I mean, meditation to know that like there's a specific meditation that we've now had many leading medical schools around the world now um do brain scans um and like we had a group of people that weren't doing it and a group of people that were and showing the difference between the control group over a matter of 12 weeks and the brain scans show that in the before have all these dimples in the brain, these like holes kind of where your memory losses are. Mm-hmm. And in the after, it's like the brain's like full, like just full, like there's no dimples anymore. Mm-hmm. And even your pineal gland, your pituitary, like your third eye, it was just like kind of like this big rock thing. But then in the 12 weeks after, it was like a crystallized stone, which is like when mm-hmm. it crystallizes, that's your intuition. It's mm-hmm. And that's like you said, like you, you're you more intuitive through your body, right? Mm-hmm. And our intuition isn't always just like I hear a voice. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, my, my body is like feeling that. And that's yeah. intuition. Yeah. And so through this meditation, not only does it reverse your memory loss, but it builds your intuition. It, it helps you sleep deeper. It helps um, – y- they saw that it had a huge decrease with depression and anxiety and also your telomeres, your anti-aging DNA genes were by 43% reversed. So wow. it's literally like anti-aging meditation too. Amazing. <laughs> so I started teaching that in senior citizen homes, like in mm-hmm. the country clubs. And then I started working um, with children and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, none of them have Alzheimer's and it doesn't have to be only for that. It's, it's, it boosts your cognitive function. So it's like, you're going to school with like much more retention, like mm-hmm. how you're a sponge to like, remember what you're learning in school. Um, and so it's, a yeah, I say it's for anyone and everyone. And I love sharing it. And and I've actually gotten a lot more into corporate yoga. So in the last four years now, I've been teaching more corporate and I'm really loving it because I I have the mindset that kind of like they need the logical left brain to balance out the right brain. And like the brain scans and the science of spirituality Mm -hmm. is sometimes like what people need to make it like, okay, fine, I'll try it. Because I could talk about how spiritual and wah, wah, woo, everything is. But sometimes people just need like some logic, like show me the proof, show me the facts. And so it's beautiful that now this research is out and there's so many more researches about other styles and other forms because people are putting in that effort um, to do that. So even especially now during the pandemic, I've been teaching for like Amazon. It was one of my dream companies and all these big companies virtually from the comfort of my home. And, um, you know, so many people now are no longer spending money on office spaces. They're still working from home. So they're putting that money into mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, so many people throughout the pen, I was almost like teaching more during the pandemic because people finally were like, okay, I realize that you're right. Like I need to take care of my body and my mind. Like mm-hmm. this is a priority and I've been too busy all my life. Mm-hmm. And now this pandemic was like a pause where I was like, oh, I can actually make time for it and prioritize it. Um, so yeah, I never thought I'd be teaching yoga on a screen because mm-hmm. I love like my specialty is hands-on adjustment. So I'll like massage people into poses. I love that. 
but you know, the screen does the job and it's been beautiful. I've been leading, um, 40 day meditation courses, mm-hmm. which is another passion of mine. And Kundalini yoga, we say, if you do something every day for 40 days, it'll change the habitual patterning within your brain. Um, and it takes a consistency of every day, 40 days, continuing that. And so, um, I've always done 40 day meditation, sadhana, morning practices for myself, but I wanted to share it with others. So I started, opening it up to the public and had like, I don't know, 12 different countries at one point, all a part of this program. And, and it was like the power through even just a screen, like you felt everyone coming together online and, and experiencing great transformation through those 40 days. Hey, I'm quickly interrupting the episode to extend an invitation. If you're interested in deepening into any of the subjects we talk about on the podcast, we offer many different experiences on our beautiful grounds here in Baja, Mexico. From nine-day modules such as sound healing and yoga nidra, to breath and meditation, as well as two or 300-hour yoga teacher trainings, and many different shorter retreats. Check out our website, yandara.com, to see all the information about the different experiences. Let's get back to the episode. I experienced that as well. I was teaching online and I felt, I mean, it maybe wasn't exactly like being in class, but it was just, I was so amazed by the possibility to even do something like this, you know, and be able to be together when we are in different places in the country or in the world. And I was just amazed by that yeah it's like a catch fine too bittersweet but yeah focus on the positive and yeah. make the most of it I mean so many people have now traveled to parts of the world that they normally wouldn't and they're working remotely mm-hmm. and and I think at the end of the day it really taught us to pause like I said pause like mm-hmm. slow life down like when I was in LA so many families were finally walking like mm-hmm. everyone was going for walks and things that we just stopped doing like learning to yeah. cook again or yeah. yeah so and I think a lot of people realize it gave them the opportunity to stop and notice that maybe they're not happy mm-hmm. that something isn't right yeah and that they want to make a change because I feel that the world was on this path of go 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 and get yeah. get get yeah and it gave us opportunity to really take a pause here yeah absolutely and to find a way to balance out that stress in mm-hmm. um looking towards fields like yoga and spirituality yeah Yeah, actually that is kind of my main clientele that I work with privately are these like super successful CEO businessmen I work one-on-one with and they've like achieved all the material financial wealth and that society thinks like would bring you happiness and then they're just like uh I'm still really empty and and miserable inside Mm -hmm. and that's just like such a common theme unfortunately and so I work a lot with those kind of people to be like okay amazing you achieved all this wealth but now like let's achieve like inner wealth inner joy and and taking on on that journey has been really beautiful because they're at a point where they just they want it they're ready for it they're like okay all this money isn't doing anything for me anymore like the bigger house is bringing more is like it's just not instead is bringing more stress Mm -hmm. so it's like now they're ready to like do the inner work and so um you know you don't there's always going to be someone better you know even one of my clients like oh but then he has a yeah oh but he has a plan or whatever it is so there's there's never going to be enough and that's why we have to find contentment in this moment and Mm -hmm. even with nothing when I go to India one of my 
I'm working on it. So hopefully you guys check back with me, but I have making a coffee book Mm -hmm. with all these faces of the beggars of India that I've taken pictures of. And these children have so much joy, like plastered across their face, biggest smiles. And these old grandparents with like lines across their face, like they're, it's like newspaper, like they've gone through so much and they're just full of compassion. Mm -hmm. And it's so humbling to see that. And it's like, they have nothing and and they're happy mm-hmm. and um yeah I just got emotional thinking about it it's just mm-hmm. so so humbling you know we walk through life always wanting more complaining catching ourselves like this isn't good enough and that and we can choose to be at a state of peace and in this moment no matter what and it's really that simple but um so I'm grateful for my travels I'm grateful for all that I've experienced to keep me grounded and humble and like you were just saying it's this go 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 lifestyle that I think the society has been pushing us in that direction and even myself through teaching yoga was go 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 Mm -hmm. and um LA kind of fed some of that anxiety in me and that hustle 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 um it was like I was it's a big fish in a small pond when I lived in DC and then I was like this little fish in this huge ocean of and and it took a lot of like swimming upstream. And so that's what inspired me to move to Tulum because I know you had asked mm. me that and I went on a tangent. But Tulum yes. is like this yin energy, this feminine energy, this relaxed mm. energy. And um, I knew that that is what I needed at this point in my life is to instead of giving, doing, like slowing down and receiving and being just slower Um, I love that I want to get back to that but first I wanted to ask you what would you say to somebody who wants to start a practice and maybe they can't afford a private class with you or or a teacher yeah how do you recommend for somebody to start um you know there's there's classes that are donation-based so like ideally money should never get in the way of of starting a practice but at the end of the day, you don't even need a teacher. You really just need your body and your breath. And that's right here, you know, yeah. and it's just sitting and observing the breath, noticing as I inhale, feeling it pass through my nostrils, feeling my stomach expand, feeling the breath moving up the spine. And as I exhale, letting go of my thoughts, letting go of my worries, just letting go. And that's the practice, you know, mm-hmm. and everything else is just building to it. We're adding mantras, we're adding physical stretches, we're adding. Um, but the practice is just connecting to our breath and connecting to source, to God, to light, whatever you want to call that, that is so present within us, but it takes the sitting and the silence and the stillness to, to hear that. And, um, you know, I, I think if they want to build on that, there's, you know, I'm always doing courses and programs and happy to create scholarships and I definitely don't want finance to ever get in the way of someone having those experiences, but you know, moving the body and yoga is also created so that we can sit and meditate. It's like, let me open up my spine, my back so that I can sit in comfort and Mm -hmm. go deep. And Kuna Yoga focuses a lot on the spine. So my teaching, no matter what class I teach, I always do like a 10 minute warm up of spinal exercises. Um, It's like this Kundalini serpent, this snake that's coiled at the base of our spine. And we wake up that energy to move through us. And especially now as we're working remotely, like hunched over our desks, we carry this extra baggage and stress in our body. So mm-hmm. the physical practice is so helpful mm-hmm. to just open up the body, the heart, the mind. Beautiful. So 
you started to mention that you, when you were in the U.S. and as an entrepreneur, yoga teacher, you felt that you were very in this um, masculine side of your being mm -hmm. of doing and pushing and creating. And of course, it's important. We all have both sides in us. And that was really amazing for me to hear because when I went to your class, it was a woman's workshop. Yeah. And I just saw you as this like feminine goddess mm. with so much joy and freedom. And um, your words touched my heart. I'm more connected to my feminine side. Yeah. For sure, maybe the pink uh, <laughs> gives it over. <laughs> But I just felt so drawn to your feminine energy. And mm -hmm. it was, it you were surprised when I told you that after. Yeah, very. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like I... I live off of feedback and my friends are always like, you're crazy. Like I'll go on girls trips and at the end of the week, I'm like, okay, give me your feedback. Like, what? and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what did I do that bothered you? Like, I what was really <laughs> only the people that I know, like I genuinely of care. Cause it's like, okay, I'm not asking you to just like unload your yeah. shit on me, no, but I live for that because it's like, mm -hmm. I'm, you're seeing me in a way that I can't see myself. Right. And if I genuinely want to grow, like I want that feedback because yeah, then I can growing. Yeah. yeah. And so it was beautiful because you gave me good feedback too, which is always nice, but it's like, I've been so focused on letting that masculine energy, like sit a little to the side. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a balance. I still have that masculine energy and it helps me get shit done. But mm -hmm. I've been like, okay, let me cook more. Let me like have flowers in my home. Like little things that might sound silly to big things, like really the slowing down practice and softening myself. So when you witnessed me in that, it's been like two years of really focusing on it. And it was just such a win <laughs> because it's it just shows when we put our intention to something, uh, energy flows in the direction of our attention. Mm -hmm. And so that energy has been supporting me because I've been so fixated on it. And I'm like really ready to, you know, be a mom soon one day, but I first have to meet the guy. So, you know, and Get embodying it. the feminine energy has been part of that preparingness for that next chapter of my life as well. So mm -hmm. I'm just so happy you witnessed that. So thank you. Thank you. Hmm. So did that happen before you moved to Tulum and brought about the move or did it happen after? after. How was that? Yeah. So I moved to Tulum with that sole intention. Mm. Wow. So it's been a, like 13 months, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, ironically, Tulum became the only city in the world that was like open during the pandemic. So it was actually far from slowing down. It was like <laughs> parties every night, this, that. And so it took me oh actually God. having to be like disciplined. Like I didn't come here for this, even though it's like so much going on and learning to say, I had so much FOMO. Like everyone knows I was like, I'm at every party, at any event, at everything, like always. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends told me like, switch the FOMO to Jomo, joy of missing out. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's only been really recent. Like I'm not ashamed to say it's been like maybe two months where I'm finally mm. having Jomo, you know, um, like even last night at Krishna Das concert, I decided to go out and I needed to just meditate and do my own thing. And old me would have been like, but it's the last one. And like, I'm missing, what if he does a mantra that I, blah, blah, blah. but it was like, okay, but I've, uh, my soul is wanting this. Like I went and sat by the fire and did my own chant and, mm. and that in the past would have been FOMO, but it turned into Jomo. And that's just shows that we're, we're all growing. We have that option to grow and what's meant for us will always be there for us. And that's what I keep reminding myself. It's, 
you know, I, I can't force anything. And, and if I'm not meant to be there, then I won't be there. And if I am, then I, nothing can stop me from being there. Yeah. That's beautiful. What's meant for us will never miss us. Yeah, exactly. That helps me a lot. Yeah. Through my journeys, because we have this kind of like plan of what we want to be and who we want to be and what we're supposed to be. It's kind of like yeah. this image in our head. And if something works out or something doesn't work out, especially in the timing that we think that it should happen, yeah. then or I can talk about myself personally. I start getting stressed out about it. Like, why isn't it happening? Like I want it to happen. And yeah. then just having this reminder for myself of the things that are meant for me will never miss me. It doesn't matter if I make the wrong turn or say the wrong thing or do, you know, mm. you do something wrong it's always going to lead back to the same place if it's Absolutely. meant to be. Absolutely. I believe in that so much. It's beautiful. So I didn't even look at my notes because I was enjoying <laughs> talking to you so much. Um, and I asked our zoo to read the poem that she read during our class. Before that, I have a few questions that I end each interview with. They're called okay. Closing Curiosities. Mm -hmm. So we'll f go over those and then I'll have you read the poem, which I loved so much. Thanks. So the first one is, what is something that you've changed your mind about? I think just what I said, like with the FOMO and stuff, mm -hmm. it's like yeah. I just changed my mind where it's like actually sometimes going, even if, you know, I've in Tulum, all these amazing master teachers are coming to do workshops. And I'm like, I could learn more. I could go and I can do this. And it's like, even when it's something seems good for me, not going can still be in my best interest, yeah. you know? And that, because I have such a thirst for growth and a thirst to be better, like that's been sometimes almost to my detriment. And mm -hmm. that's what I realized. Like it's, it's been actually draining me to a point where I'm not able to grow because I'm just going to every single workshop possible mm -hmm. versus like sitting within like, let me actually uncover all that I've just taken in from all of these classes. So the whole FOMO and like sitting with myself has been a big growth for me. Beautiful. What is something that you didn't think you could do and you did? Oh, so many. <laughs> yeah. Like you talked about, I really, my willpower and I, that's thanks to Kundalini Yoga. Really, it's a, you know, I, it teaches us that we can literally accomplish and achieve whatever we set our mind to. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a practice of white tantric yoga. It's not sexual at all. People assume because it has tantra written in it, but you hold poses as meditation poses for 31 and 62 minutes long minutes, minutes, Ooh. and not just one or two, like three full days of it. So it's like Ooh. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sounds pretty challenging yeah and I, I wouldn't say it's like the most challenging thing but it's just an example that I would say is like it, when I was 12 I did my first um white tantric I did it every summer and you sit rows by rows positive negative male female energy like a battery mm. and you stare into your partner's eyes so you're like scrying and my arms are straight out 60 degrees 90 degrees and staring into your partner's eyes 62 minutes how do you even do that how how do you hold your arms like minutes. that and if you hold your hand for three minutes it's gonna be like aching so yeah. you know and that is one thing that then I apply to everything in my life mm -hmm. you know so I've accomplished things that I never thought I would to answer that question and there's a long list but it was that is the root example of it you know through that pain I was like and people all around me were like dropping their hands and coming back up and I was mm -hmm. like 
okay, if I drop my hands for a minute of like instant gratification, I'm going to bring it back up and it's actually going to throb 10 times more Mm -hmm. because now like the muscles are hurting because they got a second of relaxation. So, you know, I'm also learning to, I don't have to be super disciplined as well. So there's a, there's always a balance. And I think, I think that with religion, I think that with everything, like this isn't no extreme of anything is ever good for anyone usually. Mm -hmm. Um, And so although this is super extreme, like it served a purpose of like proving to myself that when I really set my mind something, I can accomplish it. And the exhilaration that that comes out of it was like pure ecstasy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I experienced that a few times during the training that I just finished here of things that, you know, it's really about the body is in pain, you know, yeah. holding these, uh, yeah. these meditations yeah. uh, or a yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> holding that for a few minutes, even three minutes, it's really hard. But maybe when you go to five, six minutes, you're already like your body's screaming. Yeah. Like, wait till I take you to a white tantric and see <laughs> I can't how your wait. body feels. <laughs> but it was really about this in my mind like I was just telling myself you can like your b- mind is stronger than your body mm-hmm. don't give up and talking myself up and doing it and after you do it and you accomplish it it's like the biggest high ever yeah exactly yeah <laughs> I love that next question what gives you hope ah <sighs> what a good question um my hope for humanity really is just sh- seeing how even in these dark hours of this pandemic, like the people that are rising up and like following their heart and finding spirituality, like there's so many people have woken up in this past year or two. And that gives me hope. Um, being with people like you that are just so full of love and, and joy and integrity and authenticity, that gives me so much hope. It's, you know, um, media is always showing us the fear and the like worst case scenario, but then there's the people that are actually doing the work and like, they, they're not, they're not showing the other side of, of all the growth and all the love. And, um, I've had so many in this past year, like connecting with the energy of the elements. I've been working with a shaman and, and, and understanding how integrated we are with nature's elements. Like that gives me hope because it's like Mm -hmm. the light always prevails. And that's been my mantra too. There's been so much fear with what's happening right now. And I'm like, Mother Earth has is going to be okay. Like the light will prevail through every situation. And it's up to us to simply embody the light, to carry the light, to be the light, to spread the light. And um, my teacher, Yogi Bhajan, would say, be a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And that is one of my expressions it's the lighthouse doesn't keep like running to this person and being like let me give you light or help mm-hmm. because that's what I was like I was like always running here running there mm-hmm. to help help and all in the name of help you know yeah. of service mm-hmm. but then it's like no let me be the lighthouse where I stand and in my light and that light that I'm casting out and sharing can then help people find their own way home but it's standing in your ground and so I, I just have feel so many beautiful lighthouses are just are being rooted into the ground and people are, are all the lighthouses. And I, I feel like, um, long answer, but I'm, we're all like these candles. I visualize when I teach yoga and I'm like lighting the wicks. Our soul is like the wick mm-hmm. and I'm lighting these wicks or they're already lit, but I'm helping it get brighter and the bright, and then they go out into the world and it's like a domino effect and they're going to light all these candles. And, and that's what it's about. It's about 
contagiously spreading light and love mm-hmm. and um, make the world a brighter place. I love that. And it's so true because I see in my life that my greatest teachers are not the ones that told me what I need to do. They're the ones that really exemplified what mm-hmm. I aspire to be. Yes. It's walking the walk, not just talking. It. Yeah. Beautiful. Last question. Um, no, two more questions. <laughs> How do you define happy? Hmm. Happiness is really when we just curl the lips on our, curl our smile, curl our lips and feel this hug in our heart, this joy. Happiness is, is just joy for me and, and, and it's a choice in every moment to be happy. Mm-hmm. And like we've said throughout this podcast, um, it's just a choice and, and I'm grateful to have those moments of pause and return to happiness. It's not like 24 seven where mm-hmm. you can be happy, but it's a choice to return to. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a lot of gratitude. It takes a lot of humility and a lot of intention to return to that happiness. And it's, it's our innate being. I think mm-hmm. for me, like joy is a higher version of happiness. And when we're so happy, we become joyous. And that's the purpose of life is to experience and live out joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are supposed to be short questions, but <laughs> I already... It's like a rapid fire. <laughs> supposed to be, but but just I feel like there's so much to unpack in this yeah. because to somebody who's really in pain right now or suffering or in, in a depression, which I remember mm-hmm. the times that I've been in there, it's how do I choose in this moment to be happy? I can't. Yeah. It's not possible for me. So what, how would you guide somebody through that? Um, you know, ironically, like a few days ago, someone sent me a DM on Instagram, like, you can't actually be that happy. Like I posted a story of me and just like dancing. I was like super high. And they were like, come on, like stop. Like, it was all for Instagram. I was like, what do you mean? Like it didn't even cross my mind that like I'd be fake, being mm-hmm. fake happy or something. No, I can attest. I saw her dancing and it was one of the most joyous points <laughs> of this week for me. <laughs> so for those that are going through the dark hour, it's, it's actually finding the blessing in that darkness. I know it's super hard. We're told that darkness is so bad. It's so negative, but life comes through darkness. Like there can't be light without the darkness. Mm -hmm. And the word guru is gu is the dark, ru is the light. And so out of the darkness, we're being born into light every moment, every day we wake up from that darkness, we open our eyes into light. And so just knowing like that, what is that expression? Like the good times won't last forever and the bad times won't last forever. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're going through a challenging time. Don't hold on to it. It's not going to be for, it's not your forever life. Mm-hmm. And you're going through this, this, this opportunity, like a caterpillar to cocoon and come back into your butterfly stage. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we just hold into the pity of like pity me or oh this. And then we're feeding it and we're just going to keep staying stuck in it. And so I'm not saying suppress it. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm happy. No, no, no. Like, okay, sit with it. Yeah. I'm actually, God forbid, like I'm suicidal. Like that's, we're told like to like not even feel that, but it's like, okay. What I tell a lot of my clients is like, and then what? It's like this question where it's like a rhetorical, you say, okay, this is the worst case. And then what? Okay. And you answer that and you're like, and then what? And then what? Mm-hmm. And and you basically go for like one of my clients was suicidal and brought him to like now he's like super happy and normal. But it was like kept going to like what is your mind, your fear telling you is like going to – because he thought he was going to die like every minute. 
And I was like, but then what? And like, and then, and it was just like so humbling. Cause then at the end of the day, he was like, actually like oh, nothing, like mm-hmm. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many practices. It doesn't have to be that, but it's like feeling it. It's, it's also energy in motion. It's going to pass. It's going to pass through once I am willing to sit with it and face it and look it in the eyes. Like mirror work is so important. Like for, for self-love, like wake up, look in the mirror. I love you. I love my body. Like whatever that is that you need to work through, speak Mm -hmm. it into yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and do that mirror work. Um, I know there's like so many other things that are flowing. There's so many, there's so many tools and we're really blessed to live in a time where there is a lot of tools. And, you know, if you follow numerology or human design or the gene keys, it's like we have these encodings within us that helps foreshadow and helps teach us so much. Uh, I've recently been getting a lot into numerology and I'm like, okay, month of February is like new beginnings for me. Mm-hmm. And so now this is February and I'm like, what is a new beginning? Is it a relationship? Is it a project? Like, and so it's, it's not to be over obsessed, but it's like, it helps. It helps give us clarity on like astrology. Like what are the moon is in this placement? What is it teaching me? What should I focus on? And why am I going through this dark time? Oh, it's a retrograde. The mercury is, is challenging my communication. Let me be more mindful of how I'm going to speak because I know that. So sometimes it's overdone. Everyone's like, Oh, must have been mercury and retrograde. And I'm like, please let's not blame everything. You know, (laughs) again, everything in moderation, but knowing that there's so many sources to have Mm -hmm. clarity and to help us through our challenges. The challenges will never disappear completely. And just finding the pause. What a pleasure that I have the opportunity for this to help me heal and grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of the tools that you just mentioned, I think it's ways for us to um, maybe kind of put into words or explain that what we're going through, if it's a dark time, is actually happening for us and for our growth. And what is the benefit that's coming from it? For me, a lot of times it's, again, this misalignment in mm-hmm. my life that re- that shows in my body in, ter- in the form of sadness. Mm-hmm. Something isn't right. Mm-hmm. So where can what can I change? Is it something that I'm doing? Is it somewhere that I'm at? Mm. And just noticing that it's happening for our growth and for our betterment and not yeah. to hurt us or not because something is wrong with us or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And for those of you that are familiar with the like Hindu deities, Ganesh is the remover of obstacles. So mm-hmm. it's like if if you don't really resonate with astrology, like, OK, then like go to these deities and do mantras of Ganesh, like help me remove this obstacle. But also like when I lived in the ashram, it was like an honor, like the bigger the obstacle, Mm -hmm. that means like you are actually growing so much that you can handle this challenge. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, tiny obstacle. You're like, meh. But like the bigger the disaster almost, you're like, wow, like I'm this strong now that I'm getting met with even bigger, heavier things because I have it in me to overcome it, to learn from that, to grow from it, to Mm -hmm. raise my frequency. And it's like, Again, it's it's all in our perspective. How do we shift the perspective to like pity me, to like thank you? Yeah. Um, and that takes a lot of surrendering, which ironically yeah. I have written all over my shirt, surrender. Um, <laughs> and it's like that act of surrendering, we're, we're letting go and we're letting God, mm-hmm. whatever word you want to believe, but it's letting go and, and just taking this fist of like, I need to control the outcome to opening our hands and letting it go. And, and actually when we open our hands, then we can receive. Mm-hmm. I love it. Last question. Okay. <laughs> what are you curious about right now? Mm. 
Um, I'm curious as I take the next step committed to, this was the only trip I was, I turned down a lot of retreats and travel. I'm going to take, really stay home for the next three months. Ironically, this whole pandemic, I've been to Iceland and Morocco and all over the world. So, which is a blessing, but I'm committing these next three months to staying home and, and, and slowing down and just going deep into my own little meditation. And I'm so curious um, as I maybe do so much digital detoxing, like what's going to come through when I really, really keep going deeper, 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 deeper. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned to find out Beautiful. what new growth comes out of it. I can't wait to see. Hmm. So is there anything that is important for you to mention before we listen to your beautiful poem? Um, just hope that my words have resonated, even if it's to one person listening to this. Like, yeah, and I'm very happy and content. And, that uh, you know, my brand inspires you. It's all about sharing what has inspired me in hopes that it will inspire you. And that is why I love what I do. It's in, in all in the name of, of inspiring and helping and service. So reach out to me. You can do Instagram. It's inspire underscore ZU, inspire zoo. Share any experiences. If you need any resources, if you want meditation links or whatever it is, um, I'm always an available source and I have like a whole online library of classes where people can rent the classes. And if they want to do anything in person, I'm hosting these like private retreats, which has been like, it came out of the pandemic where I kept getting deposits on hotels and then flights canceled because everything's unknown. And I love this so much more now. It's a private one-on-one experience where you kind of fill out this form. You share with me what you've gone through, what you're wanting to expand into and through so many tools. Like I create a customized experience for you with mm-hmm. the food and the healing and the massages and like all of the experiences. And, um, it's for one to four people. So you can still come like with a boyfriend or with friends and So if that calls to you and you're listening and you want to come to Tulum, um, you can fill out the application. And I would love, like, that's something that I've learned. I, I love hosting. I love witnessing people having positive experiences. So it brings me a lot of joy and happiness to create experiences for others that are transformative and brings you into your higher self, your highest, highest self. That sounds so fun. Yeah. I can't wait to do it. And like you could just be like, I really just want to have fun and like relax and have a good time. And I'm like, okay, this night is where the best music is. We're going to go there. So it doesn't That's have cool. to be like meditate every day, all day. Yeah. So I'm all about balance. Love Everything that. is balanced. Beautiful. Thank you. So now if you would yes. honor us with your beautiful poem. Gift. This life is a gift given to my soul to be a messenger of light. This body is a gift, loaned to my soul to experience joy. My parents are a gift, a pair of humans who I chose to rent me, parent. They raised me and they taught me all they knew. The rental period expired at 18 and now we learn to see each other as equals. As children, our renters told us, don't do this, don't do that. Innately, we became like a living don't. We shut down rather than trusting in source. As we grow, we are told to say no or to say yes. This becomes our training. But we are such multifaceted beings. It's up to us to take this gift of life and question what we have been told. Question the box that we may feel we are stuck in. 
The feeling of stuckness alone is showing your very soul its own thirst for growth. In the words of a great saint, Siri Singh Saib, he said that the very fact that you are born and God willed it that way is the best thing that has ever happened. When God gave you birth, God gave you existence, and God gave you time and space to conquer it. So take all the time and space that you need, but first, you must conquer your mind. Conquer your subconscious mind. Empty out the garbage and the perceptions of others, and soon you will conquer the world. It is in our fear of originality that we stay a prisoner to the cell of our own life's cells and atoms, halting their very growth to enable their God-given powers. Our values come to us when we choose to live originally and organically as the divine gifted beings that we are. Our purity lies in our ability to be true to ourselves, our originality. Our intuition lies in our ability to stay innocent when the world around us is condemning us and telling us what to do. It takes great strength to maintain purity and innocence. When people are telling you, you are wrong, or why are you different? We often internalize that and become our very own worst critic. You are wrong becomes an internal mantra, and a mantra is what the mind focuses on and constantly replays. But if you are not right, you would have not been granted this gift of life. So trust that your very existence is right. I invite you to open this gift of purity that has been awaiting you. The moment you realize there is an essence of purity within you, you will realize reality and step into your royalty. It is your own purity, the very piety of spirit, which belongs to God. So embrace it. Hold it near, for the rest is all yours. You have free will. You can act as you wish, but don't forget this gift. The challenges that I have faced are a gift. Through the discomfort and the dis-ease, I found comfort and ease because I am not that. The dis and lack is there for me to heal. Upon finding the solution and the healing, I strengthen my purpose by sharing the revelations for others to find healing too. All that I go through is not for the I, the individual, but for we, the world. Born into this age of Aquarius, it is our mission to turn things around, to change me to we. I rise above any lack, any scarcity mindset that the human mind or the ego is holding me back. I break free from this hold, for I am a child of God. Nothing and nobody can hold me back. Only the fears that I feed and the thoughts and advice of others that I hear and the egoic actions that I take can possibly hold me back. This body I was gifted is meant to be treated as a gift through movement, through dance, through chanting, through song, through the sun, through the water. Every time I partake in one of those, I'm giving her praise and I feel her tingling sensation echoing back in gratitude. For this body, she has not forgotten. I am not this body, yet I'm able to walk this mission because of her. So hand in hand, 
we work and walk together in harmony. You see, we can create a dialogue with anything, for everything is a living being. We were taught that those who are insane talk to themselves or they talk to the trees. But those who taught that didn't want you to access your own godly self. It is only when you are willing to be perceived as insane do you find sanity. To be sane is insane. So get out of the hellos of greetings and greet all whom you see and come in contact with a humble heart and reverence. So many ancient cultures have taught us this through a bow. Sat Nam, I see purity in your soul. Namaste, I see the light in you as a reflection of my own light. Shalom, may peace be unto you. Let us return to the scriptures of God, not that of religion, teaching you of a master somewhere that will save you and bring you redemption, not of someone outside of you to praise. We worship the teachings, the scripture, which has been given and encoded in it the path to liberation. We worship our own soul's highest self and knowing. This life is a gift because God is working through you, as you. Yet so many of us believe, I have to do everything. As soon as the I is given more importance than the thou, you have lost it. Humans walk around with separation between the I and thou, led by the ego rather than the intuition. It becomes one or the other. It is a choice, and both carry their gifts, either of the material world or of the godly world. For where there is I, there is no place for thou. So give up the I and surrender yourself into the arms of thou, for thou shall not steer you astray. Open your hands to receive the endless gifts. So often we walk around with hands in a fist, holding on to all our thoughts and accomplishments. The more we hold on, the less we grow, the less we're in the flow, and the less we receive. It is in that constant act of releasing, of letting go, and surrendering that we can receive the gifts of God that is beyond our imagination. Because this life is simply a gift. You are a gift. Thank you for sharing that with me and whoever is listening. And thank you for doing this. It was truly, truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love you. I love everyone here. And just walking away with this feeling of the gift of life. Now, after this time to nurture your mind and your spirit, we invite you to take a moment to consider others. A kind wish might come to mind. Know that what we learn becomes more valuable when we apply it and share it with others. So share this episode on Instagram stories, tag Yandara and I, or share with a loved one so that more people can benefit from it. Our hope is that the search will lead you home to who you already are, to what was always there. We'll be back next week with more inspiration, honest conversation, and insight into the energetic world around us. Thank you for listening and watching.